Welcome back to American Scene, the show where we talk about movies with American in the title and what they have to say about American identity, culture, and values. My name is Ben Rosen. I'm Alan Austin. As always, if you have anything you want to say about the show, any of our previous episodes, or anything that we cover today, please connect with us on Twitter at American Scene underscore, on Instagram at American Scene Pod, or send us an email at American Scene Pod at gmail.com. Today, we are singing the praises of the American Mall. Yes, a, a concept that you, prior to watching, thought it was extinct for the most part. And I'm here to tell you, sir, it is not, at least not in my neck of the woods. Yes, because you are in New Jersey and you have this wildly huge mega mall uh, called, what, what is it called? American Dream. And that's where? Tell, tell us about the American Dream, please. So the American Dream is a mall in the Meadowlands Sports Complex in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is where the New York Giants, the New York Jets play football. So this was a project called Xanadu for like, I want to say close to 15 years, maybe give or take a couple. And it was an eyesore, just this giant mass building that ne they never did anything with. And now it has indoor skiing, it has a Nickelodeon-themed amusement park, it has a DreamWorks-themed amusement park, it's got shops, it's got stores, and it is trying to rival the Mall of America. Not sure if it ever will, but the American Dream Mall is not the only one. Just a few miles away is the Garden State Plaza, which is a giant mall in Paramus, New Jersey, just down one little highway. Then down the same highway, another five minutes is the Paramus Park Mall. And then if you take that highway and fork off of it down a different highway, not five minutes from those is the Riverside Square Mall. So that's four in about a 10 to 15 mile radius, give or take. And that's just in my neck of the woods. So malls are thriving where I am. Thriving may be a strong word, but they exist and they are renovating. They have a gazillion shops, restaurants, amusement parks. So malls in my neck of the wood are very prominent. Well, we'll get into all that because the history of the mall is, I mean, this is an American invention, uh, but let's, let's set the groundwork. We're talking about a 2008 movie called The American Mall. It is a teen musical in the vein of high school musical came out a couple years after the first high school musical but this one was from mtv not from disney channel so this was an mtv film uh, which makes sense you know music television film should be doing musicals i don't know how many musicals they have in their uh, filmography but uh, this film starred nina dobrev rob mays autumn reeser brooke lyons brescia webb Bianca Collins, a bunch of people that you might know their name. Uh, Autumn Reeser, of course, I know from the OC uh, originally. So um, I, I was I was happy to see these folks. Um, Nina Dobrev, obviously very fa famous now for The Vampire Diaries, spitting image of Vanessa Hudgens looking at this movie and, and coming so close on the heels of High School Musical, didn't you think? We had a mutual friend uh, named Ray when I lived in LA, all up on the Nina Dobrev train because of her fascination 
connection with the CW in general. So this Nina Dobrev has had wild success post-American Mall. She's been in a lot of things. She was Miss CW for a while there. So to see her here young pre that, very entertaining. Uh, she's she's very likable. I don't know if I consider her a Vanessa Hudgens clone. I think she stands on her own. Uh, but to, to something you said before we skip over it, the MTV movies uh, together is one of the best. Like, spoof movie musicals ever and i think that may have been the first mtv one and it's a high bar set by together and if you watch them they are filmed in almost identical like aspect ratios they must have used the same sound the same cameras the same style of shooting so this is a very specific way of filmmaking that MTV has. And it's it's fine if the material's good. Right. Well, Together and American Mall, I believe, were meant to be TV movies. So I'm sure they were shot that way for a television audience as opposed to something like the Footloose remake, which MTV did, uh, was, was a theatrical right. release. But uh, as I'd mentioned, you know, this came two years after High School Musical. This was also a year after Hairspray, another teen musical. And this was just one year before Glee premiered. So this was right in the pocket of those late 2000s fascination with teen musicals. And I don't know how many there are out there, really. I was, I, I, I searched for, you know, just teen musicals. So there was Fame, uh, Grease, obviously, a West Side Story, which I don't think of as a teen musical because it has so much more going on in it, uh, than something like Fame or something like Grease. But there honestly aren't that many that really center the teen experience, the coming of age experience in the way that something like the American Mall does. Uh, and other teen movies that we've looked at have obviously done as well. Let's just start with what did you think of the movie before we get into, you know, some of the more analytical elements? Sure. The movie's not great. <laughs> like just <laughs> straight up. There are a couple catchy songs, but there's a lot of just lazy logic in this film for the sake of convenience that I always get annoyed with because you're assuming your audience is dumb. And I always like I take offense to that when a movie just assumes we're dumb or we wouldn't care about logistics. So in that sense, I think I have a bigger beef with the movie than I do the overall story, which is pleasant. You know, there's a lot a lot to like. There's a lot to not like as well, which we'll get into. But for the most part, it's a pretty fun, feel-good story, you know, between, and I really didn't anticipate this, a likable cast. Totally. Very likable cast. Uh, there were a few moments that I actually laughed out loud. I think Dory is one of the best characters. Like her over-the-topness worked for that character. Uh, and and, and I'll, I'll mention some things about her later as we kind of dig into some of the characters. I should, I should mention what this movie is even about. Um, the whole movie is set at the mall. Uh, which we're going to talk right. about when we when we talk about kind of the American element of it. But uh, Allie, played by Nina Dobrev, uh, she is struggling with what her future is going to look like, deciding whether she's going to tell her mom uh, that she wants to pursue music or if she's going to go to like an in-state school for business. Um, because her mom was uh, at one point like an almost one-hit wonder. Her singing career didn't take off. Now she... Uh, manages owns this this music store in the mall that has seen better days. It's like a, a, the poor man's guitar center. Yes, like an independent guitar center. 
and she meets this guy who is a janitor in the mall and also has an incredible singing voice. He and his fellow janitors were at once a band together and were swindled. Uh, the backstory is not totally clear, um, but the problem- Very, very loose. Very loose. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is uh, Madison Huxley, the daughter of the owner of the mall, very business-oriented, very buttoned-down, very strict. She wants to open her own store in the mall uh, that's going to basically take over Allie's mom's store. Uh, and, and she sort of starts devising this plot to push Allie and her mom out so she can watch her brand. Uh, it all comes to a head in the final SummerSlam, which we got to talk about SummerSlam. I know you love that. <laughs> but uh, it all comes to a head. I don't want to spoil anything because the movie is available for free on YouTube. Just go watch it. It's a quick 90 minutes. It's a lot. It, it's, it is fun. It's not great, but it is fun. Um, but that's the whole setup of the of the movie. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I did enjoy it. I found myself you know, nodding along to some of the songs, a couple of the songs stuck in my head the next day. You know, the the duets primarily between Allie and Joey, I really enjoyed. There's a lot more to what you just said also. Like, what is, we can talk about the reason, and we'll get into it, the reason that Madison is after Allie is because her dad, who she's like dying for any sort of like acceptance and appreciation from, just remarks to Allie in passing that he liked the sound of the song she was playing. And that has set her off into this takedown plot, which the movie is centered around once that scene hits. Yeah, I definitely think there were some pages or even some scenes left on the cutting room floor that like there was a budding romance that was going to happen between Madison's dad and, and Allie's mom and it didn't happen. A total bait and switch. Just I, I wrote in my notes, are they sisters? Or are they going to be? Well, I thought maybe we were going to get a whole twist where he reveals that it's Allie's mom is his ex-lover and their sisters but they, you know, that's why he's never kicked them out of the mall. They're one of the oldest tenants. In the last scene, when everyone's partying, they're paired up together. The reason we assume is just because they're the two older people. But for people paying attention to the movie, you've got to think it's because there's something there. Yeah, that's way too scandalous for MTV. But <laughs> but I but I like that. You went a, a step further from, from what I thought. But yeah, Madison is just so perturbed that her dad gave any attention to Allie and and her mom that she's like, yeah, on a warpath. By the way, Madison's father, Mr. Huxley, Max, played by Al Sapienza, for all Sopranos fans out there, Mikey Palmisi from season one, seeing him, I was like, don't mess with this guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. He is that like prototypical MTV Disney Channel dad who just like doesn't have time for his kids. Completely business oriented. And and to a certain extent, Allie's mom is the same way. And they have the uh, the dead dad set up the the absent father Allie, Allie's dad is not in the picture so even more to plays to the the idea that maybe the the two parents were going to get together but that doesn't play out um we can leave the plot behind us because I definitely want to get into what you started talking about which is the shopping mall in American consumer culture and in teen culture and my question was uh when we started talking about this movie was is it still a thing um, in consumer culture, there obviously was a heyday for this. There was a golden era. 
Um, and I'll just run through quickly. We're going to post a couple YouTube videos in the description. A lot of articles and a lot of videos called the rise and fall of the mall. So some are still definitely flourishing. Uh, certain types of malls, the mega mall, the ones with the attractions and all, all these kinds of different things. But they are far removed from the original uh, vision of Victor Gruen, who came up with the idea of the mall back in the 1950s. Another Jew, by the way, came up with something that we all enjoy. Uh, on the mini-sode uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about seltzer uh, and that that was very much like a Jewish drink. Now we've got a Jew inventing something at the center of American culture, the mall. I think it's brilliant. I, I just always like seeing that. But his vision of the mall was much different than what we experience today. He wanted it to be like a downtown for the suburbs. So he was thinking... Yes, there would be stores, but it would be a lot more about like communal areas, sharing community spaces, exchanging ideas, that there would be like these big events originally. There were concerts, there were fashion shows, but there, it was really about bringing people together in a way that maybe we're kind of seeing a version of that now, but it was definitely lost to a much more consumer-driven much more, you know, surrounded by parking lots and more suburbia as opposed to creating a center of a new downtown for suburbia where then there would be other stores, there would be other things around. You know, that being said, the version of the mall that we see in this movie is a lot like that vision. So I do appreciate the movie for that, even though what we see out there in the world is not necessarily like what we see in the movie. Um, but because there is a fashion show in this movie, there is a concert in this movie. This is a lot about people meeting up, exchanging ideas, like hanging out, you know, uh, which speaks to the teen culture of it, uh, which was, I, you know, I hung out at the mall. I think I spoke to this on the American Pie episode, but like there's nothing really else to do in, in Western Massachusetts if you didn't really have like money. Yeah, I went to the mall last week to get some stuff and it is still the place because with COVID, they've turned one of the parking garages into a food court with a DJ. So what what they've got going on right now is part of the parking garage has been roped off to be a food court with a DJ so people could take the food court food, eat outside comfortably, blah, blah, blah. But you walk through the mall, people are dressed up. It's their night out on the town. You know, masks have become a fashion statement now. So it matches the outfit. It, it speaks to whoever and people want to be seen for that. Like it, it's it's still and, and I'm in a different situation, densely populated area, people with some money that want to go out and spend it. So the mall there, I mean, I said it before, there's four in a 10 mile radius, pretty much four big ones. People are going to go. But you drive if I drive down the Garden State Parkway into central Jersey, I'm sure the malls are shells of what they used to be. Like, I'm sure they still do business, but they are probably not. And COVID aside, they're not what they once were for sure. I guess a Credit Suisse report, uh, and this is from one of the videos, estimates that one in four malls are going to close by 2022. Um, and I think this video was from last year sometime. Uh, but even the Mall of America, I guess, has been in, in COVID, not paying its mortgage. I know that the American Dream Mall is like laid off 100 employees, according to the video. I don't know if that's changed since then, if that was just, uh, you know, a, a, a blip in the, in the COVID story of last year, uh, for them. 
Well, the American Dream Mall hasn't even opened all the stores it's intended to yet. Uh, you know, that reminds me of my time in college because I went to Syracuse and there's the Destiny USA Mall. So also not um, also not surprising that these biggest shopping centers in America, three of the top 10, have America in the title in some way. Destiny USA, Mall of America, and the American Dream. Uh, which also just like calling your mall the American dream. Okay, settle down. But uh, yeah, my experience with that was also it's something that was under construction forever. I don't even know if it's still like if there are still things that are waiting to be completed, but I don't think it had even opened. It had become uh, even remotely finished by the time I graduated in 2011. How American, though, to say that the biggest best that we have to offer represents our country. The biggest in terms of uh, kind of the consumer experience. Sure, which but is, also yeah. the biggest by by land. Oh, We've yeah. Taken up as much as we can to give you, the consumer, everything you could possibly dream of in our country. All under one roof. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. So as the mall is portrayed in the movie, completely youth-driven. Yeah. You know, even the janitorial staff, as I mentioned, like they're ev- everybody who works at the mall is young unless uh, and if they're not young, they don't leave the store, you know, right. whereas like the teens are the only ones who hang out outside the store uh, and all the adults are working otherwise occupied, which we'll get into uh, when we talk about kind of the the contrast between sort of the business world, the strict world versus the more free, independent, creative uh, world and how this film portrays that and how that's representative of uh, American culture in some way. Even to the, the security cards are younger. Two of my favorite characters in the movie. They start the movie. I was like, how did these guys not get roles in Paul Blart? <laughs> the, the mall has its own personality in this movie, which is important when you title your film, The American Mall, because they could have titled it anything else, but they chose to title it The American Mall and the food court is where it's bumping. The food court is happening. The stores are live, except for the one which matters for the plot. Like there's a gazillion people in the mall, but none go to the store that's on its last leg, which would really need it the most. But I love the idea that they've been there from the beginning of the mall. Yes, absolutely. And the fact that Allie grew up in the mall. She says that in the movie. And I, Madison. I, and Madison, yes. I practically grew up in the mall. Allie says that. And uh, Madison, uh, Allie's mom remarks that uh, she used to be running around with her dad when she was younger, run, uh, running around the mall. So yeah, growing up in the mall, I mean, I definitely like a lot of my memories, not just from my teen years, but growing up, were going to the mall, uh, the Holyoke Mall. And no trip was complete without a trip to Toys R Us and then not far away from there was I think it was called pretzel time and getting a pretzel there and watching them make it like twisting the dough all around was I was like how do they do it man like they had it on lock it was so cool it was so so cool um I know my sister and uh, will enjoy hearing me talk about pretzel time but uh it's it's funny they could have gone even they could they could have dipped into parody a little bit and I'm kind of glad they didn't in a way, but like thinking about, you mentioned this store that's closing down. I remember being in the mall and seeing the same kind of store open and close like very quickly. And it was always like the East Asian, like knickknacks and arts kind of thing. Do you, did you have that experience as well? Like it would always be cool. Like they'd always have cool stuff in there. It'd be like dragons and like all this kind of stuff I thought looked really cool. 
And then a week later, it'd be like 50% off store going out of business. And I was so, I was, as a kid, I was always so confused by that. Yeah, those kind of transformed into the kiosks that you find in the center of the mall now, which are like a dime a dozen. But the one that I can think of was the Native American store Hmm. in our mall had the Native American, like a ton of dream catchers and wolf stuff. But that store lasted a while. It might still be there in one of the malls. I hope so. I hope so. We we didn't have a Native American store, but a- any store you could go into and like play with stuff as a kid was the best. So we loved the, sh- the sharper image. Um, yes. We're getting into Miniso territory. I wanted to- <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I know. I know. But- I uh, always had sharper image loyalty over Brookstone. I was like, what is this Brookstone trying to step on the toes of sharper image? I used to get very like territorial for sharper image, although I never bought- anything from either of them. So it's not like I had a a right. It's just I knew that one first. Now that you mention it, was it Brookstone or was it Sharper Image? I can't I feel like it Sharper Image would have come later. So maybe it was Brookstone that was like the original for me. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the movie, the movie, the movie and and how it portrays the culture of the mall. I guess we can get into that there are two sides to the mall and there are two sides to America in a way that is arguing kind of right. You have the very business corporate, like you have economic. to play by certain rules. Yeah, exactly. The the economic driven side of the world and you have the more free flowing, creative independent world and the business world is super judgmental very like exclusive whereas the creative world the independent world is more supportive and encouraging a little bit more innocent as well mm-hmm. um where what, what did you think what do you think of that no i think that's a great uh, great observation you have the business rules all right? The dollar, the almighty dollar. And you have uh, Madison using that to her advantage to bully somebody who she can have power over using that. And then you have the creative types who have the lesser jobs within the mall. They're kind of more like beatnik types. You've got the janitors and you know the music shop owners who are the more creative types. And they are at the mercy of the business-oriented, powerful people in this movie. And it's a very honest depiction of America, like you said. So obviously, there are people who are going to side with the business, the Madison aspect, like, oh, they can't pay their rent for the month. They should go. Goodbye. And then there are the people who, like us, me and you specifically, who are rooting for them to either cut them a break or they rise up and find a way to pay the mortgage. So there's a little and and to be fair, Madison is a heel, is a bad is a bad guy so to speak, not because of the ability that the fact that she has that ability, but because of her personality and her intention. Like we don't hate her father just because he's the rich tycoon. We kind of don't like him because he's clearly not giving his daughter the attention and acceptance she seeks. But I don't think he is the bad guy because of his power. You know, he's not this Back to the Future 2 bully. Hi, Daddy. Okay, so I was going to wait and talk to you about this at our special dinner. But I just can't wait. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. Sure. So what do you think about putting a Madison's in every single one of your malls? That way we could spend so much more time together. That sounds great, sweetie. You're not coming for our dinner, are you? They rearranged my schedule and I can't change it. You're not mad, are you? No, I know you're busy. Business is war, Maddie, and battles rarely happen when you want them to. Here you go, sir. I'm coming for the Summer Slam and for your big launch. I'll take you to dinner then. I promise. Okay. Bye. 
He's just a businessman who's got a lot on his plate and his daughter is acting out. But it's very fair movie, I'd say, if that makes any sense to these two sides. Yeah, I think because Madison's very new to the business world, she kind of looks to her dad and then takes it up a notch from there because her dad isn't the one who serves them with the like notice to vacate. It's Madison. Like she's the one wheeling and dealing and scheming. And it's also, it's not just the power and manipulation she exerts over Allie and her mom. It's also over uh, Alexa, this like part of her entourage who isn't allowed to eat. And they, oh my gosh, uh, I think Brescia Webb's character refers to her as anorexia Lexi. Like I was going to say, that's one of the moments that does not hold up because they say it in a comical way for us to laugh at. And that does not. So there's some problems I had with this movie. That is very tone deaf watching it today. But that, you know, we, we've come across in the movies we've watched certain tropes about America, certain elements that these movies keep speaking to, and it's business as appearances, business as, again, like exclusive, and you have to be like pristine and anything. Uh, one line that Madison has, she describes her brand as expensive and refined, right? And therefore better. Uh, there was a line like that in, in American Hustle. Um, American Psycho is all about this, right? Uh, that like you have to maintain appearances, you have to like act a certain way to be accepted, right? Now, Madison's dad does say business is war. So just like defining it like that, then Madison takes it to that extreme and becomes she acts as an autocrat, right? She's like dictating what people can and can't do um, and really like, yeah, behaving like it's a war. And Dory's character is constantly fearing for her job, which is another power trip that Madison goes on. And kudos to, to the actress who plays Madison, Autumn Reeser, because I was rooting for her to be redeemed. And a lot of times a movie will just make you hate the character and want to see them fail. But I was wanting to see her redeemed because it's clear she had a chip on her shoulder. She was trying to prove herself and she was just misguided. So, you know, the obvious moment when it finally comes where Allie is the bigger person and warms up to Madison and helps her along. It it actually hit me well. It, It made me feel good. For sure. And in that moment, because Allie showed up for Madison, uh, you know, there's that line, no, Allie says, you know, I don't step on people when they're down or something along those lines. And Madison says, well, that's why I'm successful. Well, in the end, she's successful because somebody stepped up to help her in her time of need. And then Madison gives the spotlight to Allie. And that's what helps the event be so successful. So finally, Madison learns, you're right, she does redeem herself by allowing someone else to finally have the spotlight. Also in that scene is probably where Max, the father, is at his worst because he gets up in the middle of her poor set and like walks off disappointed. And that's, I would have liked to see that moment a little earlier in the film where he just completely writes her off and totally sends her into this downward spiral. It was a very mean-spirited moment. See, but then I thought it brought it back because he comes up to her backstage. So I thought that in in rewatching the movie, I thought that when he gets up and and you think he's left, it's actually to go backstage to kind of like support her and like and oh, like be okay. there for her. That's how I read it. Oh, oh, that, that's probably right, and that's more on brand with the film. So I I take it back. But I'm glad you mentioned Dory uh, and like that she's constantly in fear of her job. I I love that in one scene, like her hair is like completely out of control, like business as all consuming um, and sort of like you sell your soul to it. 
in a way. You see that with Madison, you see that with Dory, you see that with Max in a way just because he doesn't have time for his daughter. Dory at one point is also just like so stressed out. She has to down Pepto-Bismol. Like I love that moment. She's just always on constantly having to cater to other people's needs, other people's schemes, and she cannot for one second like turn herself off. Uh, your favorite characters, the uh, the security guards keep being like every night they're like, if Dory catches you, if Dory catches you, like she obviously takes her job so seriously to the point where like she can't leave it alone. And that's a big part of this movie as well is saying, if you are going to be part of the business world, like this is what you're signing up for. Yeah. You know, you are signing up to sell your soul in a way, uh, as as Ali mentions that that Joey does so that he can, you know, he and his his buddies can have that deal with Madison. But if you choose to follow something more creative, something more independent, then you get to have fun. And that's that speaks to another element of this, which is maturity versus innocence, mm -hmm. that Madison is playing towards something mature. All the characters who are a little bit older are tempted by that, you know, all-consuming business world. Whereas, like I said, the kids get to have fun. Uh, Allie and yeah. her friends get to play in the sand. They get to play rock bands. They get to, you know, hang out and just eat in the food court, you know, like normal kids you know right it's more freeing yeah. you get to experience more freedom For sure. outside of the corporate world uh, at one point they gave dory's character sound effects and i really wish they just kept it in for the entire film because i thought that was a fun choice but another thing about the kids i'm glad they didn't resort to making Allie and joey and all her friends the artsy theater people it could have been a very easy choice to make them like the free-spirited hippie types but no they're just regular kids who, you know, in Allie's case, likes to be a singer-songwriter. And I thought that was refreshing, and it didn't just typecast the artsy people as, like, these extreme theater kids, which I really appreciated because that's how I always felt myself was. A guy who loved theater but also had other interests and didn't just all consume myself in being a theater kid. So I, I felt represented in a way. Yeah, well, I felt represented because there was a character named Ben. Uh, <laughs> poor schmuck. Poor Ben. <laughs> I wrote poor Ben in my notes four times. I can't say that's how I was treated in high school. I had a pretty good time in high school. That was fine. But uh, – and I worked at Blockbuster. I never worked in food service. I never worked in the mall. So I didn't even get that kind of experience uh, that, that they get to have where it's like you get to hang out with other people who work there, you know? Yeah. But I actually do like Ben's character because – so he's he introduces himself. He's like, I now I'm assistant manager at this uh, hot dog stand. So he's kind of walking this line between being a carefree teen and selling himself to the corporate world. And so I kind of like – that his friends, Allie and Penny and Mia, kind of give him shit. They yeah. do kind of like treat him like a joke because they're like, now that you're this guy, like, we don't know how to hang out with you. Like, maybe he used to be different, right? And now that he's assistant manager, he's like taking things more seriously. And they're like, you're not this, you're not this guy. So we're going to, we're right. going to make jokes about you. Taking things more seriously while wearing a giant goofy hot dog costume or hat in the earlier scenes. So yes, for sure. Yeah, so I like that element a lot. There's also a lot of nods to Mean Girls. Uh, when do you guys eat? We eat on Mondays and Fridays. That whole, like, uh, I forget what the name of the club is. Plastics, the, the Plastics. The Plastics, yes. So there's a lot of nods to that. And to your point before, before I forget, there's a lot of ideas of selling out in this movie. And there's the great line of Joey's, you know, rock band where they're like, yeah, I always figured we'd sell out, but not before our career started. 
how MTV of that is to make that a plot point, like bands selling out, like got to shoehorn that in. And, you know, it, it is what it is. It's fine. And that whole sequence, too, it's not just selling out, but also there is this element of like perversion of when you sell out, you're not just signing with a big record label you're changing everything about who you are. So when Joey signs up with Madison, it goes from this uh, acoustic, very sweet, innocent duet that he's having with Allie on the roof to this like hyper-sexualized um, electronic, yeah, auto-tune, very like Madonna-esque, like, and then the aesthetic is even like super changed, like futuristic, all the chrome and everything, as opposed to something more grounded that, uh, that Allie represents. And and we'll talk about her her t-shirts actually i I, i'll mention her t-shirts here which i love uh graphic tees big in the 2000s i definitely had a bunch but they're be the change uh recycle the recycle emblem which i actually i'll post this i'll send you this for the instagram but i put the recycle symbol on my mortarboard for my college graduation okay i put that on top um and then the last thing uh the last t-shirt was let it be so definitely speaking to something more free more yeah yeah, inclusive more yeah more positively spiritual yeah for sure so that's everywhere in this movie man and and to see it win out in the end i think is very hopeful yeah to see it win out in one of the more ridiculous scenes for a shopping mall movie which Let's get right to that. So SummerSlam, obviously the hottest event in pro wrestling during the summer, has been stolen into the what I'm calling the mall upfronts, because I have no idea what else this event is for. So what seemed like a half talent show, half showcase, Madison organizes SummerSlam, which is a yearly thing, apparently, where all the stores come out and like perform. And who's the audience? Yeah, well, I don't think, I don't remember, actually, okay, I can remember one time that I went to a performance in a mall, and my sister will hate that I'm bringing this up, but my sister performed at some sort of music showcase at a mall. I'm sure we have that on a VHS tape somewhere. Um, I'm not going to send you that for the Instagram. She will not like me for that. But this did that event, those things did happen. Now, I don't no. think they did in the late 2000s, um, but in the 50s, in the 80s, like these things did happen. I just don't no. think they had the budget to really make it look good or like a really meaningful event because there's like 50 right. people in the audience. No, no, no. I'm not saying that concerts didn't happen in like mall performers. What is the purpose of this particular performance? Because it really seems like it's a chance for every store to showcase what they're worth. And that is just such a bizarre concept, but I love it. That's why I thought of the mall upfronts. <laughs> for those in, who don't know what upfronts are, it's a chance for every upcoming TV show to to market themselves to brands and, and sponsors so that they can hope that they you know, will, will support them and, and jump on board. So... When Madison's like debuting her store, which kudos to her for putting everything together in such a short amount of time, branding, designs, the product themselves, hiring the models, uh, not to mention the wonderful filming the music video with edits and cuts, live streaming it on the TV store, the TV sets throughout the mall for Allie to see. Just a lot of bizarre, scientifically impossible things going on during the American Mall. They're also shooting the music video in the mall. Right. So it's like, again, the, the fact that the entire world is encompassed by the mall, you know, exists within the confines of the mall. Like these people never go home. No, this is like American sleepover. It's a snow globe city. 
Yeah. It's all taking place in a snow globe. Exactly. And they they have the song at the ball, but all they really talk about in that song is like hanging out with your friends and spending money. But yeah, the, that song could have been a real opportunity to speak to all sorts of cool things that the mall has or had back in the 50s. They had, you know, it was described as an attraction on par with Disneyland, the first mall, the uh, the Southdale Center in, uh, in Minnesota. But like others had uh, ice rinks and bowling alleys, which I'm sure a lot of these places like the, you know, American Dream does now. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure what SummerSlam was really supposed to be. But again, like in a in a movie with a bigger budget, I'm sure it could have been something um a bigger spectacle. Right. And also the musical performances wouldn't be from people who work at the mall. <laughs> it wouldn't be the guy <laughs> at Sabaros dressed like a pizza. Yeah, they'd, they'd bring in like real, real acts. Yeah. And in the Minnesota, I want to, when we cover the Minnesota for this, I want to go over some mall movies, like the best mall movies. Oh my gosh, totally. Totally. So people stay tuned for the Minnesota because we'll break down some of our favorite mall scenes or mall movies to, you know, companion this discussion. Uh, another, I will have to mention Superbad, the end of Superbad. Right. Again, yeah. Superbad's just going to keep coming up in, in all of I our know. episodes. But Can we get a comforter at the mall? You can get a comforter at the mall. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, I did not like this ending. At least, oh. like, I thought that song at the end was one of the worst in the movie. Oh, also, random choice to like keep like cutting away from what would be like a mild swear word as like comic relief almost like edgy it was very odd and it just did not flow well also that song was supposed to be the one that ali's mom had done like back in the day and i'm like that this doesn't sound like an 80s single so i'm not sure wait 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 let's break this down so ali's mom's big song which is like the heart and soul which she can't finish which is another theme of the movie finishing what you started but she cannot finish has these alludes to cursing that cut away and go oh or whatever like that's her genius that's amazing all in itself and and speaking of ali's mom harsh character but very, very honest. And there is a heartbreaking scene with her mother when she finds out that Allie is considering not going to the Ohio State College, which is terribly wrong all in itself. But she says, I want you to be an accountant. I want you to be a businesswoman, mainly pulling from the, the struggle they have with their own business and what makes the most sense and what's logical. And you know, not from my parents directly, but as an actor, you have many people in your life telling you don't do it, blah, blah, blah. It's not the safe choice. Hallie's response is, I didn't think you'd let me do it. And her mother gives the very real, very genuine, very cold, I don't think you're talented enough. And part of me was like, kudos to the mom for speaking a truth as opposed to just being wishy-washy, but also, wow, heartbreaking. Yeah. Like in the films we've watched for this show, that might be one of the more heavy handed but genuine moments we've seen. Yeah. And probably the only time, because we've done a couple coming of age movies, uh, there were no parents in Sleepover. Uh, and the only parents we saw in American Pie were uh, Jim's dad and Stifler's mom. Oh, and Stifler's mom, right. Uh, so, so not. The kind of like grounded, honest, like real, eh, Jim's dad, eh. But again, it's mostly plays to comedy, but like this was like a right. real, 
you could tell that there was like a real bond that these two shared and it really hurt her mom to have to be that honest. And that's, yeah, that's a moment that we, we haven't seen in, no, in other Jim, movies. Jim's dad is never that just blunt. He's got his allegories and his, <laughs> his tales. He does. Uh, is there anything in this movie that like stood out to you that we haven't brought up? How about the songs? What was your favorite song in the film? I really like Dreaming Wide Awake. My favorite by by quite a bit too. But yeah. not the Madonna version, no. the the duet version, the first time we hear it, I liked it the most. On the rooftop. It yeah. was it was wonderful. It was really really good. I was like this is a song I really would have I probably would have learned to play it on guitar and like wanted to do it with like a girl in college like as a duet for sure. Do it now, uh at least the male part, the Joey part. Do it. Post it. We'll put it on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Good idea. Okay. I'll have to figure it out. I'm sure the chords won't be that hard to figure out. Uh, I'll have to go through somebody's wastebasket to try to find the lyrics or the uh, all the right notes to hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe you can get one of our listeners who's a singer. I know there's a couple uh, who, who follow us at least on Instagram that are known for their voices. Maybe we can organize this duet. Uh, and, and I just want to bring up the Joey character again, because his storyline of like, He's in debt to his friends. In an, They don't explain how he lost his equipment. They just say, so he had this full set of equipment, drums, guitars, the whole nine, and they, they're gone because he got duped by people. They don't explain what happens or whatever, but he's in this constant sense of owing his friends, making it up to them. Very good storyline, very good arc. Like, that's a great way. So when he sells out to Madison, we understand as audience members, we don't hold it against him. We're like, this guy, you know, he's trying to do right by his friends. And Ali should understand this. The glaring hole is the fact that he doesn't have his friends just explain to Ali what's going on so that cooler heads will prevail and that Madison's like hijacked his phone so he can't really talk to her on his own. Just say, hey guys, tell Ali that she's offering me a chance. I just have to play along with her. But I got, you know, I'm still here. There is just so, and that's some of my problem with the film. Like, here are two characters, Allie and Joey, who I really like. And Joey is the classic character in these type of movies that we just can't stand. But we're digging him. It's an earnest performance. But there's just such, like, logic flaws that I get annoyed with. Because when I when I tease that they treat the audience like morons, this is one of those instances. A huge conflict could easily be resolved. Yeah, but I mean, you know. She's got her hurt feelings and she's young. So like she, I, I, I don't know that cooler heads would have prevailed. Like I, you know, in as much as like things that happen in this movie are very like mature, people making very like mature business decisions, they're still just kids. So, you know, whatever. But on the whole, this movie's just an easy, easy, fun little watch. The, the only other thing that might be a little jarring for people is the singing voice of the Alley character does not really match up with Nina and, and the way she sells it. It just doesn't always match up. There's a lot of like, I don't know if it's like twang that's happening or just like she's not, it's not reading on her face during the performance. So there's a little bit of like suspension of disbelief you have to go because of these, you know, it's not everything's Les Mis where they record it live. So it's really nitpicking though. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I don't want to nitpick too much. We should get into our American moments. They're playing our song. Okay, so uh, first American moment. You know, we've covered all the mall stuff and the capitalism and the idea of business and stuff. So I'm going to go a little bit uh, 
in a different direction. Dory's hair was a very American style for that time with the the blonde and the the dark just kind of like intertwined. It was a very 2000s American hairstyle. I remember a lot of girls having that hairstyle. Sure. Uh, another one is the ridiculous setup of the mall had the the rooftop uh the the the, the sunroof all malls I've seen in America have that sunroof, leading to one of the more oddly timed moments when Madison's able to see Joey and Allie on the roof by like standing on the ground and looking up and like she can tell it's them or I don't know, it was very odd. Uh, so the, the, the design of the mall is very American, obviously. So originally malls were designed to be open air. And I believe that the original mall that Victor Gruen designed was open air. Um, obviously, malls in LA, uh, like the uh, Century City Mall, uh, is open air. Um, I think, yeah, just for kind of being like all weather, climate controlled, like all this kind of stuff happened later. But uh, but I do actually like that moment where Madison is standing where the piano used to be, oh. that she, that her presence has replaced the piano on that spot. Uh, at the center of the mall, looking up and kind of like pulling the cord on their performance, right? Yeah, it's kind of uh, smarter than uh, than you give it credit for. It's definitely smarter than when I, where I was going with this for an American moment. So I appreciate <laughs> you s- saving it. Um, there was a line. This isn't really an American moment, but it's American in the sense of people trying to, for appearances' sake, make something different. So this is an American moment in the sense that people will often alter or change something they think is negative to seem a little bit more acceptable. And janitors, dirty. I think they prefer to be called custodial engineers. Great line. Very American for someone to kind of like try and tweak or amp up for appearances sake what they do. I'm not sure. Like, I I, I don't know if that's really what they prefer to be called, quote unquote. No, you no, know? no. But but, no, no, no. I, I, no, but uh, I was quoting the movie, not you. But uh, giving people respect, I think, in the work that they do. Uh, and because of an American moment that I picked out was uh, – janitors are better people than the rich powerful elite like definitely how they're portrayed in this movie like they're having fun they're good people whereas like the rich powerful elite are like stomping on on anybody else the next american moment to that to that point as well is madison yelling at a laborer who's like towering over her um as she's like building this new store and and she's saying like and you will keep working until it's finished do you hear me no food no sleeping no pee breaks and you guys are so like worker exploitation american you're, moment you're way better <laughs> at american moments than me like i am this any listener who's consistent with us will just be like oh alan's doing american moments he doesn't know what he's talking about you are just <laughs> aces at this well thanks man i you know i don't know i i have another one that's uh maybe maybe i don't want to mention now that it's it's uh we're in a new administration but Madison's just Ivanka, right? Like she's just, basically, yeah. <laughs> you I know, guess. this isn't really an American moment. Just a line I liked in the mall song: "Stop and take a look. Something special behind each wall." I thought that was very sweet. I thought that was like a nice nod to every story's individualism and individuality, and it was cool. And it, you know, every store in the mall tells a different story. Definitely, and we will get into some of those stories on the minisode. Yes. And which stores? Which stores that we? Uh, frequented which stores that uh, had stories for us, you know? For sure. 
Uh, well, I don't want to take this moment from you. You already mentioned it, like SummerSlam. Yeah. WWE, man. Oh, yeah. I'm a diehard wrestling fan. And, and what's funny is COVID, you would think there'd be more time to watch. I've probably watched less this year than I ever have before. Very sad. Very sad. I'm sorry to hear that. I know. I know. It's it's unfortunate. I try to keep up as much as possible. But, you know, I'm too busy watching American Mall to, to get caught up on what's going on with Roman Reigns these days. More American movies, less Roman Reigns, please. <laughs> no, Roman's on fire. Yeah, but now if you sh- but if you're showing up for Lucha, I'm into uh, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, but all in all, like, there's a uh, lot to like in this film. Very simple watch. Some fun songs. Some songs that just don't work, as we mentioned. But for the most part, more hits than misses. For sure. Uh, wh- what do you give this movie for uh, rating? Well, I'm trying to think of what my American symbolic you know, choice is, but I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give it, you know, something very American. Uh, I'm gonna give it three free samples. Wow. I thought you were actually gonna say uh, three hot dogs. No, no, no. Specifically. Okay. Free samples at the food court. That's awesome. That's I'm surprised you gave it that that higher rating because when we started this, I wasn't sure uh, what you were going to give it. To overthink this movie like we've already done is doing it a disservice. Yeah. I'm going to give it three broomstick guitars. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that there's a lot of fun in that. Yeah. One of the more fun scenes is when the whole place takes over the music store. I actually wrote that down because uh they sing about things like um that's the song Get Your Rock On and there are lyrics about like liberation and like music bringing people together and like everyone's got their own music and there's nothing better when it comes together and all this kind of like very like positive messaging in that song. Um it seems like they got more people to be in that scene than they got in SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure but anyway i don't i don't it, it's a really fun movie and there are some catchy songs in it I, I think the performances are pretty good there's some great comedy man like i i really found myself really enjoying the movie so yeah not a weak performance so yeah three free samples i love that three broomstick guitars go check out this movie should we even post the youtube link just to let people watch it Hell yeah. We should probably share it. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap on The American Mall. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating. Leave a positive review. You can give us your unfiltered opinion on Twitter at American Scene underscore. Give us a follow on Instagram at American Scene Pod. And if you'd like to follow either of your patriotic co-hosts, I'm Ben Rosen on Twitter at NotThatBenRosen. I'm Alan Austin at Alan underscore Austin underscore. And we'll see you next time.